All right, I got a whole sermon I could preach on that. I won't. Why don't you uh, stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's Word. I've got a good word for you this morning. First service liked it, I think. I hope you guys do too. Did I tell you I missed you while I was gone? I only missed, uh, you know, one midweek service. I came back Sunday, but uh, I still feel like I haven't seen you guys in a long time. I feel like we're together almost every day now, and so uh, I love you guys. I was, I was waiting to see if we're in Lahaina, if we're on Maui, like, am I going to regret having gone to Kona? Not for a second. I was so ready. My wife and I were so ready to get back, and uh, we just love you guys. I love what God's doing here. Um, Ephesians, our text today is going to be out of Ephesians chapter 5, but we have a theme verse. It's right there. This is Ephesians chapter 2. We've been sharing this together since January, the beginning of January. This is what we're praying the Lord will build right here in this church and with us. And so our custom is we read this out loud together. Are you ready? You see it there? Are we ready to read it together? All right, one, two, three, go. So now you Gentiles are no longer... Members of God's family... Together we are his house. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully. God lives by his spirit. And turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and beginning at verse 8. And this is what it says. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Everybody say light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit, or some of your translations might say the fruit of light, is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak the things that are done by them in, in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's hand over this word. Lord, I, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is light. And I just ask, mighty God, that the light that your gospel brings forward would shine in this place today. That, Lord, you would you just release an anointing all across this room. That you would anoint our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our heart to receive what your spirit is speaking, mighty God. And I ask an anointing would rest upon me. Lord, as I deliver your word, I pray that any thought or any intention of my own flesh would just fall to the ground on you know dead ears lord but i pray that if it's your spirit that it would come alive that you would anoint it and and that god it would be powerful and life transforming we just invite your holy spirit to come be in this time as we open your word in the mighty powerful name of jesus we pray everybody say amen, amen. you may be seated i i am loving the book of ephesians I'm actually kind of sad. We're actually coming to the near the end of our, of our series together, but hopefully you guys will have a good grasp on what this book is all about. What, what this section of Scripture is called, in fact, your heading might say something like uh, walk in the light or walking by the light or something, something of that nature. But here's, here's my, my statement. Here's my one-sentence summary for our message together. We are called to be light in the midst of a very dark world. You and I are called to be light in the midst of a very dark world. I was so encouraged this last week during our staff training when we were with Dr. Morocco. As I said earlier, uh, everybody needs to go and watch that Sunday night service as he shared the updates and some of the things that the Lord has done in and through our church over these last years. But one of the things that I loved hearing from Dr. Morocco as he was sharing with us, he was talking about this vision for 1,200 churches being planted. 
And I, we prayed about it. Our live stream didn't get to participate in that. But we were praying, what is our part as, as Kona? How many churches are we going to plant? How many, how many of those 12, 120,000 souls are, are we going to be responsible for impacting and, and shepherding and pouring into discipling? And, uh, and those are things I encourage you to pray about because God may put it on you. Well, you're supposed to have a life group that's going to have 12 of that 120,000. Or God may put it on you that you're the one that uh, uh, begin to pray that we would have a church on South Point uh, here on the Big Island. You know, you begin to pray about those things. But one of the things that I loved is Dr. Morocco began to share about how when God put, him, put the burden in his heart to go to Maui 40 years ago, now 41 years ago, he said Maui was very small, and he had other pastors and other ministries that advised him, don't go to Maui. That is the graveyard for pastors. They said it is impossible to have a, a large church. It's impossible to have a, a, a world-impacting church on Maui. The congregations are too small. The demonic oppression is too hard. You know, it gave them all the reasons why it would be impossible to have a thriving church there on Maui. But you look today. And there were thousands and thousands of people that came from nearly 500 churches all around the world that are the fruit of what God did there in Maui over the last 40 years. Absolutely incredible. Makes me want to dream about what God could do right here in Kona over the next number of years. But one of the things that he encouraged all of our pastors and all of those who are serving in various ministries is we're never going to say no to a small beginning. We're never going to say no because, well, the, the people there are, are impoverished and we could never have a financially successful church or there, there's not enough people there to support it. No, we're never going to say no to something small. We're never going to say no to something because there's a lot of demonic oppression. Oh, you don't understand the religious background that goes on there. You don't understand the weight of the, the spiritual warfare that goes. We're never going to say no because warfare is going to be hard. But here's what I really want to build on today. We're never going to say no because an area is dark. Understand that God has called us to be light in the place of darkness. I've known of ministries, in fact, the Hennessy's who are here, they're in the most difficult area of Dallas, Texas. They're in South Dallas where gang activity is at its highest, where violence and crime is at its very highest. They've been there for 30 years. And they were sharing how over their 30 years there's been pastors who love the area, but they go and they uproot their church and they go to an area where crime isn't so bad, where poverty isn't so bad, and they have left those places of darkness to go into somewhere where they can hang out amongst other light churches. But he said, we're going to stay right here because we're called to be light in the place of darkness. And this is what I want to challenge each and every one of us. The commission of the Lord is to be light in places of darkness. I believe this is probably the reason my favorite mission trip was to Egypt. And the reason why is my wife and I, we've gone to, to, to quite a few nations. I mean, I went to Honduras and I was stirred when I saw children my kid's age who had swollen bellies because they were starving to death, had not eaten. I was stirred as we went door to door in Haiti and, and we asked the kids, you know, if you could have anything, what could we do? We were like doing surveys to find out how we as missionaries could best serve the community. And every single one of them said all they wanted was rice. We just want rice. They didn't care about medical care. They didn't care about a roof over their head. If we could just have a little bit of rice, then it would be... Those things stir me, man. We built an orphanage there in, in, in Haiti. And, uh, and I felt like, you know, people had warned me, oh, voodoo is so bad. And da, da, da. But what I discovered is in the wake of the earthquakes that came, Christians swept into that place. And if you go to Haiti today, I mean, there's warfare anywhere you go. But today, they have been so impacted by the gospel and there's so many churches. I felt a great liberty as we were a minute. It wasn't dark at all. I'm like, boy, the light of Jesus has come and it's transforming this nation. And it was wonderful. So a minister in impoverished areas that a minister, we've been in places, I mean, it was just incredible, places that we've gone. I remember being in India 
And you give the simplest declaration of the gospel and you'd watch dozens and dozens and there were occasions we were in crusade meetings and at the simple invitation of the gospel we would watch tens of thousands commit their lives to Jesus. We saw, we saw tens and tens of thousands. We had 60,000 in crusade meetings in the evenings and nearly everybody was responding to the salvation call. It was wonderful. But we're in Egypt and we're laboring hard. I'm being tormented. I was away from my wife and kids, and I'm telling you, I, I felt like I felt like I was my heart was being ripped out. And I, I know part of that's just because I can't stand to be away from my family at all. But I recognize some of it was the warfare. You don't know. Some of you may know what it's like to be in a nation where three times a day you you hear the call to prayer go across the entire city. Ten million people in the city of Cairo, and to watch the entire city halt. And to hit their knees. In fact, as our mission team was arriving, we're pulling all the bags off of the bus and we go and, and uh, where's our bus? Oh, it's this one over here. I hear the call to prayer going on and I see our bus driver kneeling by the side of the bus. He's a Muslim and he's praying, stopping, devoutly praying. I'll tell you what, I'm spending some time in a Muslim nation shows me we're not the most prayerful people, you understand. Most Muslims pray us under the carpet. We need to step up our game, church. So we go and we're ministering, and boy, we'd minister in small churches and, and underground churches. And uh, you know, we went to house to house, and we saw God do some stuff. I mean, I saw a blind person healed as we prayed right there standing in their living room. We were in a church service, and uh, one of the choir members began to manifest devils and just this ugliness coming out of them, began weeping blood. It was the most one of the most horrific things that I've ever seen took authority over that thing and saw that that woman liberated and it was powerful but what was so incredible about that service in particular and my favorite moment of this whole thing is here we cast the devil out of this choir member and standing in the back of the sanctuary this is right towards the end of our we've been there 10 days and it was the last church service that we were in and come wandering into that service was our bus driver he'd been driving us around and he came in to see because he would get back in the bus and we're all talking about things that we'd seen he'd always stayed in the car stayed in the bus but he ended up wandering in that very last meeting and uh, he watched us as we took authority over that demon power and as that woman was set free and as we saw the lord minister to many many others in that service that day i remember as we sat down in that in, in the bus I get so stirred. I've seen tens of thousands come to Jesus in one moment, in one altar call, but there's something about, about a hard nation. We watch this Muslim man knowing that, it, that conversion is a death sentence in that culture. But he asks us. He says, my daughter is sick at home. And the doctors say that she doesn't have much time to live. Would you pray one of your prayers to your Jesus and see if the Lord wouldn't minister to my daughter. He said, yes, we'll, we'll pray. So we prayed. And then he says, if you wouldn't mind, I would very much like if I could have one of your Bibles. Could you get me one of your Bibles? And we went up into the apartment where we were staying and we, we went and we got him a Bible like this one. And I'll never forget as he took that Bible in his hand, he begins weeping. He's hugging that Bible. He's kissing that Bible and holding it up as if it's the, it's the greatest treasure, the greatest joy that he could ever receive. I remember, I mean, I, that impacted me so much. I mean, I just, again, I've seen the Lord demonstrate his glory in tremendous ways, but watching one Muslim. Why? I think the reason that it's gripped my heart so deeply, church, is because we were light in a very dark, dark city. We've been light in other places that are very lit, right? I mean, that's how I felt when we were in Haiti. It was wonderful and it's necessary. The ministry there is important, but, but there's something about going into dark places and hard places in seeing the victory of the Lord. We are called to be light in the midst of a very dark world. 
What's the assignment that God's put on your life? This is what I want to look at today. You know, this, this should be a, a familiar idea when we talk about the light of the Lord. You know, we've all sang that song, uh, uh, This Little Light of Mine. You guys know that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a... No, no, okay, wait, pause. Is it hide it under a bushel? No. Or is it bush? Oh, no. We had an argument in my home about this on one occasion. It just, my wife is convinced. No, it's bush. Oh, no. And I'm saying, no, it's, it's bushel. Bushel. No. Uh, so, okay, let's solve this once for all. Who thinks, who thinks it is bush? Oh, no. Who thinks it's bushel? No. Okay, that one wins. Now, I, I've actually got the answer for you. I, I looked this up. I had, to, I had to find out for sure. Harry Dixon Lowe's wrote the song in 1920. The answer is bushel. Bushel. A bushel is actually, it's a large basket. It's a six-gallon basket that uh, a bushel is actually a measurement of weight. And so uh, it's a big bushel. No, right? So I'm going to let it shine. So we all understand that, right? So we're familiar with that. We're all familiar with the sayings of Jesus, right? John 8, 12, Jesus spoke, I am the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. But He doesn't stop there. He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Pay attention. There's a process here. You are with Jesus who is the light of the world, but as you follow Him and do not walk in darkness, all of a sudden you're not just with Jesus, but you, you're not just with the light, but now you have the light. Then, oh my goodness, later in Matthew 5 and verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That's a big deal. Now we've gone from I'm following Jesus who is the light of the world to I have the light of the world to I am the light of the world. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. You are light. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are light. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are light. You're the light. Of the world. Now, I, I do have to point out here as well, this is very important for us to recognize, that that same passage goes on to talk about a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. They do not light a lamp and hide it under a bushel. No, but on a lampstand. And they get, it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Here's my point. You by yourself cannot light up the world. No single light. Even the sun can only light up about half of the planet at any given time. We are called to be light together. Better together, right? We're called to be light together. So listen, you can have your little light and worship on your own. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys came to church, right? But, uh, you know, you, here, here we are. There's people like, well, I can have my faith in Jesus. But let me just tell you, it is a lot harder to walk this life without the church. It's hard to stay on fire for God when we don't worship together. In fact, I'm going to show you today. I believe there's a theology behind this. There's a reason why the Lord designed us to worship together. The way that we get set on fire, the way that we become the light of the world is by fellowship with the body of Christ. We need to express it. Another thing that you'll notice, in fact, I, I just read the verse, let your light shine before men and they will see your good works. And they will glorify your Father. I find it very interesting that any time you read about the light, you read about darkness, it will quickly move into this conversation about our works. 
Now, we all understand, and I want you to understand, we're not saved by our works. We understand that, correct? You're not going to be good enough to earn your way into heaven. We all understand that. The only work that matters in order for us to get to heaven is the work that Jesus performed on the cross. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His perfect life. Those are the works that you need to make sure you have faith in. That's the work that's going to get you into heaven. Our works will not save us. However, the Bible says repeatedly that we will be judged by our works. Read the book of Revelation. All the letters to the seven churches, you'll notice the first thing that Jesus says is He's addressing those churches. I see your works. Doesn't say I see your heart. Doesn't say I see your good intentions. Doesn't say I see the call. I see your potential. No, He says I see what you have done and what you are doing. It's very important for us to recognize. The Bible says over and over again, we will be judged by our works in Romans chapter 2 and verse 6, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 17. All say the same thing. There's about a dozen more that I can find just in the New Testament. Our works matter. Light and darkness are revealed by our actions. Follow somebody around for a little bit. You can tell what their faith is in. Listen to their conversations and you can tell what faith they have or do not have. You can say, I've got this faith in my heart, but if you never express your faith, your light is hidden. You can say, I've got faith in my heart, but if your actions are dark according to Ephesians, you're still in darkness. And that's a frightening place to be. So how do we become light? We just declared to our neighbors that I am light. I am the light. I am, I am light in the world. This is what Jesus said, John 12, in verse 36. He says, well, you have the light. And Jesus, he's talking about himself. While you have the light, believe in the light, and you will become sons of the light. That's what it is. We need to get with Jesus. We need to believe Jesus is who He said He is. But as we get with Jesus, all of a sudden, what begins to happen is there's this transformation. There's this new birth that happens in our lives where it's not just us being with the light. Now we become the light of the world. I was trying to think of a way that I could illustrate this. My mind immediately went to a gift that my family gave me. We were walking through the mall on one occasion. And, uh, and I saw this like glass jellyfish. I don't know if you've ever seen it. So the blown glass of jellyfish is real cool. It's painted, you know, it's just awesome. And I looked at that thing. I was just mesmerized by it. How do they do that? You know, and uh, just watching this thing. And so, but I didn't want to spend the money to get it. And so we left, but I think it was my birthday or something. A couple weeks later, I get a box and I open this thing up and they got me one of the jellyfish. Now, something cool happened, so I put that thing on my nightstand right by, the, right by my bed. And I'm reading, you know, so I got my little nightstand on, and, uh, and I'm reading. And then one night I turn off the lamp, and I never realized it until sometime after I'd already had it. I turn off the light, and the jellyfish is glowing. I'm like, wow, you know, and so I'm just staring at the thing, you know, at night, you know, and so it was just, it was so cool. The light was shining on it, and now it's... Uh, dissipating the light right is that a problem is that the right word i don't know and so uh, now it's now it's shining this light and so i'm thinking about this but i'm like you know but there's a problem with that illustration that jellyfish it received and it's dissipating the light but it is not light it's not producing light it's simply slowly releasing this light i feel like that's where most christians spend their lives it's like i'm going to come to church and get fueled up right and that's okay. You know, that's okay. But if that's the only place that we're in, if the only place you ever get set on fire is in the church, the light's going to fade. It's going gonna, it's gonna to dissipate, and you're not going to be what God desires you to be. I think a better illustration is when you think about, think about fire. And there's something that happens. Uh, boy, I got so many cool stories I could tell. But I got a lot that I need to cover, so I won't. Have you ever been, no, i got to tell you this story. Should I tell him? Do you know what story I'm going to tell? So I was little, all right? I'm like, 
I'm like eight years old, okay? And uh, my mom was a smoker. She's not anymore. I think this event made her stop, actually. Um, my mom was a smoker. And uh, so me and my brother, now I had to be younger. I might have been six. I don't know. I was young. My mom is sleeping. And, uh, and we find my mom's lighter. So I take the lighter. We've got this big teddy bear, like the kind you win at a carnival, right? I mean, like life-size teddy bears. So you guys are laughing. You know where this is going. And so me and my stupid brother, we decide that we're going we're gonna, to, I don't know what we thought we were going to do. I don't know. We start pushing this lighter on the bear and, you know, we're just being knuckleheads. And uh, next thing you know, one spark. And that bear catches on fire. And so being the smart kid that I am, I was like in kindergarten, maybe first grade, and I'd already had the firemen come and talk to us about stop, drop, and roll. And so I'm like, we just need to roll this bear around and it'll extinguish the flame. So we start rolling the bear around and it's not. You get flaming stuffing that starts coming out of the bear, getting on the carpet and everything. Next thing you know, the living room is on fire. And it was at some point in time, I was like, we should probably wake mom up. <laughs> and so, uh, so we do. And uh, my memory of that was, uh, yeah, we ended up burning the house down. We burnt the whole house down. And uh, fire, <laughs> fire spreads. That's the moral of this story. Fire, <laughs> fire spreads. And uh, you can remember this, though. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. You get around Jesus. You get around the presence of God. Now, you just hang around a little bit. You might glow for a little bit. But if you get saturated in the presence of God, if you get immersed in the presence, you have faith and full reliance on God, it's not going to be long at all before you get set on fire. You're on fire. And the beauty of being on fire is as you're going about life and you make contact with other people, fire's contagious. You begin to touch other people and all of a sudden my fire is getting on you guys and now you're on fire. That's what it is to be. That's what it is to be light. We get around the light and we believe in the light and we become the light. Wow. So we need to act like it. We need to walk like it. That's the, that's the next thing I want you to write down. Walk as light. Walk as light. And this can really be summarized in, in one simple word discipleship you know that's what it is to share the fire with somebody else it's like do you know how our first worship team came about i just feel like telling stories today i don't know so i grew up as a musician i enjoy playing just about everything and the first church that opened up to us we had a wonderful worship leader uh, but he ends up judicing me in like the first weeks that were there wonderful worship leader and so uh, so uh, guess who becomes the worship leader? Me and my wife. My wife can sing. She didn't play anything. She's learned piano since that time. But, uh, but uh, I became, and my wife became the worship leader. But here's how I did that. I, uh, I started playing guitar, and then I started sitting down with this guy. And uh, his name is Jason. I sat down with Jason. I'm like, okay, I need to teach you guitar. So I'm playing guitar. And then I'm showing him how to play guitar. Next thing you know, I got Jason playing guitar on Sunday morning. Then I graduate. Now I'm playing drums. I'm a drummer. That's what I've always been. So I grabbed this junior high kid. Landon is his name. The reason I'm telling you their names, all of these guys are still doing that today. Jason is still the worship leader at that church today. Landon, I, I teach Landon how to play drums. He's a better drummer than I am now. Incredible. I pour it into him, then I graduate to the bass guitar. I teach somebody else how to play bass guitar. And I just went through all the positions on the stage, and then I started going through a second time teaching another person, so then we had a rotation. That's how discipleship is supposed to work, you understand. God is giving you a gift. It may be an instrument. You may be a hospitable person. You may be good with children. You may have a gift for giving and being a generous giver and entrepreneur. I believe that part of God's desire is not just for you to exercise your gift and be a blessing. That's wonderful. But if you never show anybody what it is that God has revealed in you, the gift that God has birthed in you, then we are failing at the Great Commission. You're not called to be everything to the world, but you are called to teach others what Jesus has taught you. That's the Great Commission. Teach others what I have taught you. That's discipleship. 
So are you good with politics? Lord knows. We need some godly politicians to rise up in this day and age. Are you good in business? We need some godly entrepreneurs and kingdom builders to, to rise up in this day and age. What is it that God has gifted you with? Let that thing burn. Release that. Allow God to, to, to you just walk that thing out. But allow people to walk with you. And help set them on fire. Amen? And so it says, uh, I'll just kind of push through this here. It talks about how the fruit of walking in the light is goodness and righteousness and truth. Goodness, those are the things that you do. Righteousness, that's what you are. You've been declared righteous. Now you're right before God. And truth, that's what you think, what you believe. I mean, this is, a, this is an all-inclusive work. When you begin to walk as the light and walk in the light, it'll affect the way that you act. It'll affect the confidence, who you are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm no longer a heathen. I'm not a sinner. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a saint of the Most High God. I am a king and I'm a priest with my God. I mean, those are the kinds of things. I, I always hated the NA meetings. I had to go to that for a while. And I, the, I, I liked the meetings, but I did not like the fact that I had to stand up and declare, I'm an addict. Why? I love the accountability that I had there. I love the fellowship that I had there. It was an encouragement. But I did not like making that declaration over my life because that's not who I am anymore. I, have, I am a new creation. That's dead Jacob. He, he died in 2004. No, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. We could go through the whole list. You understand. Jesus, Jesus really does transform lives. Amen. And it says, finding, verse 10, what is acceptable to the Lord. I want to help some of you guys out. If you're here and you're just getting right with God, um, you know, I saw somebody, this was on Maui, so I don't think it was anybody here. But I saw this car in the church parking lot that had posted on the, on the door of their car the Ten Commandments. I'm like, I believe in the Ten Commandments, but I tell you what, I'm not living my life every day wondering, have I fulfilled the Ten Commandments? You know, have I violated the Ten Why? Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would inscribe His law on my heart. Rather than living by a list of do's and don'ts, what I would encourage you to do is get in fellowship with the Lord and begin to search the heart of God. Lord, what do you enjoy and what brings pleasure to your heart and what grieves the Holy Spirit? I believe you're going to live a lot more holy if it comes from a relational standpoint than from a legalistic standpoint. I believe it with all my heart. I shared about my wife last week. You know, I can do things so that she doesn't murder me, right? I can live a certain way so she doesn't kill me. I could incur the wrath of Leah. I know that I could. And she has that side. She really would murder me. However, my great motivation to honor her and to serve her and to be faithful to her is not because I fear her wrath. Oh, it's because I love her. I want to be pleasing to her and I want her to be pleasing, uh, pleased with me. And it's, it's a relational thing. And I'm telling you, it has it is pushed me closer to my wife than any legal binding contract ever would. That's the way we need to live with Jesus. It says, finding what is acceptable to the Lord. It's a process. I shared the story in the first service about how my wife and I, we, uh, <laughs> when we were dating, she'd come over to, the, to, to my apartment and I'd make her egg sandwiches. And I like egg sandwiches, man. I grew up raising chickens, right? And so we, I know how to cook eggs every way that you can imagine. And so we, uh, you know, I like eggs and I could live on eggs. And so I just thought, I'm going to make my girlfriend, I'm going to impress her with my wonderful egg sandwich, you know. And so uh, I didn't find out until years later. I mean, years later. It might have even been like just a year or two ago. She finally confessed. I hated those egg sandwiches. <laughs> You'd make me eat those egg sandwiches. And I was so hungry that I just had to eat them. And I'm like, man, that hurt my feelings to find out. But you, you understand, we're, <laughs> I'm still finding what's acceptable to her. Now she actually likes my egg sandwiches, I think, right? Or do you just say that? No, you like, she likes them. 
She's learned to love it. No, but that's when it actually came up. She requested one of my egg sandwiches on one occasion. She's like, you know, you used to make these for me, and I hated it. And we're still discovering what we, (laughs) we really are. But that's how relationships are, you understand. Today, today, she has confidence in our relationship that she'll tell me when she doesn't like certain things. And I know her well enough that I can read her body language. I can tell "Mm, she doesn't like that. And it's the same way with the Lord. You're going to feel overwhelmed when you first come to Jesus. Many of us are going to be like, I don't know how I can figure all this out. I don't know how I can live up to all of this. But just get in relationship with Him. Get in relationship. He'll speak to you. And as long as you remain in this place where, Lord, you speak to me and I'll obey, you're going to do all right. You'll do all right. Now, there's so much that I could talk about, but I, I, I have one, one more thought that I really want to... So we're going to... Uh, you are light. Everybody say, you are light. And the second thing is, walk as light. Everybody say, walk as light. Now, the third one is very important. I close with this. Shine the light. Shine the light. Now, where we see this is in... Verse 13, it says, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. And whatever makes manifest is light. Now you could say manifest the light, but I like shine the light. I think it's a little more clearer. Shine the light. This is very important for us to walk out because what's interesting there's a, there's a neat word study. I didn't share this in the first service. I'm giving you guys some bonus content. There is a connection that was made. I found this in the, in the Amplified Bible. There was a footnote in there, and it sent me on this whole journey. They believe that Gamaliel, who was Paul's mentor, was actually, actually had the opportunity to sit under the philosopher Plato. You guys have heard of Plato. He was a Greek philosopher, not a saved guy, not a Christian or anything. You know, Jesus was actually born after Plato. Uh, But Gamaliel was influenced, and many believe that uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 13 here was a quote from Plato. Because what he taught, all things are exposed or made manifest by the light. And what Plato, this was a quote from him, vision is the process of light forming an image of an object it touches and conveying that image to the eyes. So what we see is an image composed of light. As light is formed, our eyes process what the light is exposing, and that's literally what vision is. And we know today science has really confirmed that that's very accurate to what is happening. And so the Bible gives us an insight to how our vision works. But here's what's very interesting. How many of you have ever walked? Well, let me, let me just... Have you ever had the experience? I think most of us have. You begin to go hard after God. And before things get better, you notice things seem to get worse. I never used to fight with my spouse until I got saved, and now all this junk is, is, is coming up in my life. Um, I never used to have nightmares, but I started reading my Bible, and now I have nightmares all the time. Um, what, whatever. I never used to have anger, but when I started praying faithfully, all of a sudden this anger thing starts coming up in my... Anybody ever experienced that or something similar to that? You start pursuing God and all of a sudden, it's like, what in the world is this? And our instinct is to, well, then I'm just not going to do that. Well, I just need to back off a little. I just need to tone it down. I'm not going to pray so much. I'm, not, I'm just going to stick to my devotions and I'm not going to read, you know. And, and we decide, well, we're, we're going to pull back. Let me help you. Here's what's going on. You ever walk into a room and you turn on a light and you see cockroaches scatter? Anybody ever have that experience? I could take you to rooms in the mall if you want to experience it. We've all seen that or we've all got a picture. Maybe it's a mouse, right? You know, there's, something, there's something dwelling in the darkness and until the light is shining, you don't even know that it's there. And I would submit to you that when the light comes into your life 
It's not that God is causing problems in your life. God is exposing things that have been in the darkness already. It was already there. You're just seeing it for the first time. No, you and your wife have had that tension, but as Jesus is operating in your life, all of a sudden you're seeing what a jerk you can be sometimes. Are you guys hearing me today? You begin to pray and all of a sudden you realize how stingy you really are. It begins to work. All of these things just begin to come to the surface and it's, it's very important for us to recognize. This is, this is what I encourage you. Don't stop seeking the Lord. Just because you go and you turn off the light, guess what? You can feel comfortable. Well, that's better now. The rat's still in the room, friend. That devil's still hanging on your back. Just because you don't see it or just because you don't sense it doesn't mean that it's not there. Stay in the light. Light will expose all darkness. Well, worship team, will you come? I'm, I'm pretty well done. You know what I like? Oh, this is a, here's a safe verse. This is just a different translation of the same verse. I love the New Living Translation. It says, evil intentions will be exposed when light shines on them. Evil expense, uh, ex- intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. I mentioned earlier in the service how I had a, a worship leader. He was my friend. And he, uh, he really betrayed me early in our ministry. Judas. And I remember one day, precious woman of God comes into my office. She's crying. She says, Pastor, that worship leader and three other families are right down the street. They invited me to come over and, oh, Pastor, the things they were saying about you were so horrible. They're slandering you. They're, they're making these accusations. Are these things true? And I just knew that, that meeting was going on right then. And everything in me wanted to drive right down there, bust into that meeting, We're going to pull up Facebook Live. We're going to expose all this junk. Facebook wasn't even around then. The MySpace, if you guys remember. (laughs) And uh, I didn't do that. I didn't go down there. I encouraged the the lady who came into my office, and then I, I just got alone with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me two things very clearly. He said, don't defend yourself. And number two, deal in integrity in all that you do. Deal in integrity. I'm not going to slander them. I'm not going to exaggerate conversations that I hear, things that come up, things that are brought up to me. I'm going to be integrous in all that I do. And I believe, you know what ended up happening? I can't tell you all that happened. It's, It's wild. But the Lord defended me. And our church exploded after that. All of this accusation came. Some families left. But what God ended up bringing in, we, we experienced an explosion of growth. An explosion. We had about 60 people in our church at that point in time. And because of the words of that man, our church grew to about 20. But within less than a year, Our youth program alone on Wednesday nights was running almost 500. Just our youth and children's. And then our Sunday attendance, it was up there in the hundreds as as well. I mean, it was just, we watched an absolute explosion happen. Why? Because I let the Lord defend me. The moment that I would have stepped out, you know what would have happened? I'm going to fight my own battle. I'm going to defend. I'm going to fight for myself. I would step out from the light and darkness would remain but if you stay in the light and i'm going to let the lord be my defender i'm going to let him fight my battle guess what every evil intention was exposed immediately and people saw it quickly i've had episodes like this recently man it's just like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna defend myself in this situation lord i'm gonna stay right with you i'm gonna stay in your light i'm gonna be light and you're gonna deal with this There's an invitation at the end that ties into the song that we're about to sing. Verse 14, there's an invitation that the Apostle Paul brings. 
in light of all of this, be light, walk in light, express the light, share the light, shine the light. Then he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, awake you who sleep, rise from the dead, Christ will give you light. I'm telling you, the sun is rising in your life. Jesus is rising in your life. All you need to do, open your eyes. Wake up and step into his love, into his presence. Come on, let's stand. I want to sing this. Come alive, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him right now. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Yes, Lord. And we bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Come on, lift it up. Come alive. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Yes, and we bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. I still believe. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working. saying leave those lyrics right there we sang the key to everything right there we bring everything to the feet of Jesus you know that's what we need to do if you have accusations things that are coming against you people that are sinning against you bring it to the feet of Jesus if you feel like Boy, my life is shrouded in darkness. There's dark areas of my life I need the light of Jesus to come into. Give it to Jesus. I'm telling you, the solution is the same. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You get with Jesus. You believe in Jesus. He will give you light. Come on. I want to lead us in a, in a prayer right now. We're going to ask Jesus to help us. Maybe you're in darkness. We're going to ask him to be the light of our life. Whatever that situation is, we're going to give it to the Lord. Would you just pray this right out loud with me? Pray, dear Jesus, I come to you knowing you are the light, the light of the world. I believe in you and I receive your light. I ask you, expose darkness in my own heart. Heal me. Restore me. Work in my life. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and allow your light to expel all darkness. I give you my life. I give you those situations that burden me, that weigh me down, even false accusations, people that have sinned against me, I give it to you, Lord. I won't defend myself. I won't fight my own battle. 
I'm going to walk in your light and allow you to be my defender. Help me to live a life that honors you. Use me for your glory and your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we've got to make room for our next service coming in, but I want to speak a blessing over you. Now listen, just, just before I do that, I just want to say, if you're making a commitment to the Lord or if God's doing something significant in your life and you're just like, okay, I prayed that prayer, now what? There's a table right here in the back. It says next steps. Minister Adele, she's one of our leaders. She opened in prayer. She introduced this Discover Track. She's one of our ministers. She's going to be back there at that back table. And if you would just like personal prayer, like what do I do now? I want you to go and I want you to talk. She'd love to pray with you, have a conversation with you. And I want you to know, my wife and I, we're accessible. We're not untouchable. You come talk to me right after the service. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Uh, however we can be here to serve you. I want to shepherd you. I want to walk with you. We're going to be here for you guys, okay? That sound good? Now, before I pray this blessing, remember tonight, Pastor Tex, I'm excited to hear from him. It's going to be a wonderful time tonight at 6 o'clock. But let me speak a blessing over you. Would you just lift your hands? And let me speak this over you. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, May financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey His word, and seek Him above all else, may the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine His light upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost.